let's say that I'm using a product and you remove this thing that I liked, but you know, and so now I've got a decision to make, right? Like they removed this thing I liked, now what am I gonna do? But if I've had really great experience with that company and you know, I, I know the support people and, uh, and I just think about switching, I'm, the first question in my head is going to be, am I gonna get as good of an experience somewhere else? Because features change all the time in products, right? They're added, they're removed. You go to a different product and they've got a different set of features. But one thing that you can't easily duplicate is people. And people doing support, putting kind of a human face on the company, that can't be duplicated. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Support Ops Podcast. It's a show devoted entirely to bringing some humanity back to the world of customer support. Check out my blog at supportops.co, or you can follow along on Twitter. The handle's at supportops there. I'm your host, Chase Clemens. Big thanks to our awesome partner, Snappy. I absolutely love this app. It's drop-dead easy to use, which means you get more time focusing on customers rather than learning how to use yet another app that you need. Plus, they have this great new tool called the Team Wall. It's the perfect place to share news, wins, and other important info all without ever leaving your app. You'll start with an entirely free 30-day trial, and I'm betting you'll be in love with it by the end of day one. Go check them out at supportops.co forward slash snappy. This is episode number 21 with Justin Jackson as the guest here. Today, I first got hooked on Justin's podcast called Product People. Check it out, productpeople.tv. And then I found out that he's also the author of some great posts on his website, too. Along with all that, he's the product manager for a profitable web app. And when you put all that together, I just I thought he'd be great to have on the show because he'll be able to give us the view of customer support from that product manager role. And we'll all learn a few things along the way. So, Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, Chase. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. How's your day going so far? It's going well. It's a beautiful bluebird day here in vernon british columbia which is where i live now and uh yeah it's hot so i've been out enjoying the sun a bit today and back in the office now here with you see i'm on a roll this this is my second canadian guest so and it's a great country you should have more guests from canada (laughs) (laughs) so let's start with uh some basics here just give our listeners a little background on on who you are and and what you do Sure. So um, I think I've been building things with computers since about 1985. I was five years old when I got my first computer and uh, loved technology and computers all through high school. In college, decided to go to school for business. Um, And then I worked actually in the nonprofit sector for about eight years. And then in 2008, where I'm working right now, they gave me a call and asked if I wanted to come work for them. And I basically started kind of ground level with them, uh, doing a lot of support, a lot of customer experience type things. And I've stayed with them for five years. And uh, now I find myself in the product manager role. So I've had a lot of um, kind of support experience and we have a really support driven culture. See, you're going to be perfect for the show. I love it. I already love it. (laughs) So, you know, getting the support perspective from that product manager's viewpoint, how important is it to have great customer support when you already have a great product going on? 
Mm. Well, you know, even for the best products, I think support contributes uh, a big portion of the overall experience, especially for non-kind of technical or non-geek customers. So the formula kind of in my head is a great customer equals great product plus great support. But I mean, I've even said in the past that you could have a not very great product, and if you had great support, you you could still have a good user experience. So for me, actually, support is almost, I mean, I think having a great product is important, obviously, because that's what I do every day. But to me, support is a part of the experience. It's part of what makes a product great. And um I'm, I'm thinking about that all the time. Even So even if we build something that's amazing, like a great feature, I know that support, the customer support around that feature is going to be equally uh, important. Which brings up a good point here. When, when you've got a new feature or a new product or that kind of thing, how early should that product manager be thinking about the support flow? Is you know, is it something that kind of comes in late in the game or is it something you start at the, like when you're sketching things out on a piece of paper? Well, I mean, for me, it was really helpful having done customer support um, all those years before I got this role. And and also just like our company is fairly small. I think we have 11 people now full time and everybody does support in some way or the other. And the majority of us, so uh, everyone on the business team, everyone in uh, ev- all of our web designers, myself, uh, we all answer the phone as well. And so we kind of have like, there's a few people that are more dedicated to answering the phone. But uh, all of us, if we see the phones ringing, uh, we'll all pick up. And um, and then the developers would be also responsible for answering email and things like that. So we have a really kind of support-driven culture. And because I'd had all that time doing support before I became the product manager, I'm thinking about the support cost of everything we build all the time. Uh, that And that's an interesting perspective because I think, you know, if you've never talked to a customer or never had to walk them through something, you, you might not have any idea that the thing that you're building could cause all sorts of havoc down the down the line and end up costing the company more money, which is uh, always a factor, right? If you want to be profitable, you want to keep your costs down, you want to keep customers happy. And so for me, like as soon as we think about a new feature and we start debating it uh, as a team, we're – and because we actually – because we're all – answering the phone, we all kind of have this idea in our head of, okay, well, this is really cool, this thing that we're talking about, but what what's it going to be like to support this? What what kinds of things should we be thinking about? So for us, we're I think we're thinking about that fairly early. Yeah, I like that term support cost and, and you know, looking at how much is this going to cost in, in the terms of, you know, customers contacting our support team and that kind of thing. Can, can you give us a good example of, of a time that you looked at a new product and, and kind of you were thinking about that support cost just to give us like a concrete kind of real life practical look at it? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example here. I mean, yeah, not to put you on the spot or anything, you know. No, I mean, right now, so we have an email newsletter web app. It's mm-hmm. called Industry Mailout, and it, it's primarily for bigger organizations like universities, governments, 
banks, um, that type of kind of bigger organization. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, every time we especially add anything to the editor, so when you're editing uh, email newsletter, we're always like thinking a lot about, you know, how can we keep this UI as simple as we can? And, um, you know, one we but we, we want to move forward with the product too. And so we've been trying some things like new kind of editable areas and things like that. And, you know, one, one way we kind of gauge how much support cost it's going to take is we, we start, uh, you know, giving it, uh, rolling it out to uh, a small percentage of users. And as those users give us feedback and as they ask us questions, um, we can kind of see, okay, how, how much... <laughs> Time is this actually taking? And uh, you know, we try to record those things. You know, so we use uh, we use Desk as our support uh, software, mm-hmm. and so we're trying to get a sense of you know how often do these things keep coming up. Uh, we have a weekly meeting uh, for everyone that's kind of doing regular support, and we kind of go over the things that are maybe causing a lot of uh, a lot of trouble. And so if there's one feature that seems to be, you know, really causing a lot of pain, uh, we go in and we try to look at that and ways we could make it better. Um, So I think that's probably the best example I can think of right now, like specifically, like just how an editing interface, how complicated that can get. And even though it might make perfect sense to you as a product designer, once you get it in someone's hands, uh, again, especially like someone who's only using Microsoft Word, that's like the software they're in all day, um, you see right away like what kind of problems they run into. Man, it must be nice to design for somebody that's using Microsoft Word all day. You can just put <laughs> buttons everywhere. Just everywhere. Uh, well, you know, that, it's, it's an interesting thing because you do have these products like Excel and Word that are really popular. But people have had years and years and years to use them and, you know, get to know them. And they they have kind of certain workflows. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually the challenge we have is that, you know, they want – and everyone – so what's the joke about Word? Like the joke is that, you know, people only know 15%, but everyone has a different 15%. Exactly. So, So, you know, people come and ask – people want that kind of functionality in the product but you know that the more weight you add on the product, the harder it is to support and the harder it is just to give a better experience kind of uh, site-wide. So it, it has its challenges as well. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's – I've just started using Medium. Um, it's Ev Williams' new startup for uh, – it's kind of not blogging or publishing – I don't and, really know where that fits in the the whole medium because I've seen it before and I'm like, wait, so you're you're posting on somewhere besides your site? I, I don't know. It just kind of felt weird to me. So I was yeah, just going to let you figure it out and then let you tell me what you thought, basically. Yeah, because you've seen some success with it. Yeah, it's weird. Um, it's kind of it's it feels similar to uh, writing for a magazine mm-hmm. or whenever I've been mentioned by like a magazine uh, in an online you know, sense. It feels similar to that. Um, or, uh, I had some, some of my stuff published in life hacker. So it's kind of like that. It's like, it's its own thing, its own publication and people read it like a magazine, but their editing interface is really 
really great for writing. Um, and I was I was interested in it because we have a you know a CMS as a part of our our system, right? So the way they were able to get that system so simple is they don't allow people to have bulleted lists, tables, or really anything else. It's just like bold, italic, mm-hmm. and that's it. And I think um, you know I would love to be able to offer something like that to our customers, but because they're so used to Microsoft Word, that would become a support issue. <laughs> Right away, like they table, they need to be able to put in tables and bullets and everything else. So there's this weird balance where, um, you know, there's two kinds of support requests, right? There's people that are unhappy because something's not working for them, and there's people that are unhappy because they can't do something that they want to do in your software. They want a new feature, essentially. And balancing those two is really hard because the more you add, the more likely things are going to get broken or that they're going to be hard to use. Yeah, which kind of brings up uh, another good point. So say a customer comes to you and and they they need a specific kind of functionality or a specific feature tool, that kind of thing. Um, you know, your support side probably wants to make them happy, but the product manager side is thinking, well, this is going to weigh down on, on what we're using. So how do you how do you balance those two? Oh, man, with a I lot need, of... Yeah, <laughs> I need your secret right here. I need the, the big silver bullet. Well, <laughs> this is... There's a couple different ways to deal with it. And so one way is just um, grunt work. So let's say that um, somebody wants uh, – tables are a good example because I, I don't know if you've done any uh, HTML emails, but they're, they're a real pain. That All the email clients render HTML differently. Uh, their support is really different between, for example, Gmail and Outlook 2007. There's a reason why I don't work for a company like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it can get really messy. And, you know, there's some things um, that we could turn into a feature but would be an enormous amount of work and uh, might be difficult to execute on. Mm-hmm. Those things, we often just say, okay, well, we're just going to do support grunt work. So if someone calls up and says, you know, this isn't rendering properly uh, when I preview it, We'll go in and we'll manually look at it and go into the HTML and manually fix those things. Um, and that is in some ways more kind of expedient than us spending a lot of time on a feature that you know maybe is uh, an edge case or is maybe just so big that we couldn't actually execute on it. So I think sometimes it's grunt work, uh, sometimes in between. So if we know you know, it's going to be months before we can work on that. We just, we would just um, tell the customer, you know, we're in the meantime, we're going to keep helping you do that. So um, if they, you know, they need regular help with that, we say, just give us a call and, uh, and we'll actually assist you every time you need to do that. So those are some of the things we've done. Um, uh, we've also killed some features that, that, just caused way too much um, problems. Oh, wow. Uh, so were... you like, you rolled it out to everybody and then decided to pull it back? Yeah. So one... Yeah, one... I've got to know about that. That that sounds terrifying. Yeah. So, I mean, we also, you have to understand our customer base, um, our our monthly cost is, is you know, uh, kind of in the right range for large organizations. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we actually have 
we don't have a ton of customers. You know, it's in the thousands, but it's definitely less than 5,000. Right. And so we're not talking about an enormous amount of users, but we're just we're still talking about thousands of people. Enough and so, to make an angry mob outside of your office. <laughs> yeah, there's enough to get like some good feedback when something <laughs> happens. So the way we've we've killed features in the past is we've first looked at who's using them. Um, we then we kind of remove it from the public's view, but we keep it on those folks that are still using it, and. Um, try to reach out to those customers and basically say, you know, you can keep using this as long as you want, but we ha- we're not going to be developing it anymore. And here are actually some other tools that we think you could use that are actually going to be way better and uh, will probably save you time or save you money. So th- that's kind of the approach we've taken. And there's probably a few features that we've killed that are still in use, like the customers still using them. Um, but we've been able to at least minimize the you know the amount of um, the number of support tickets we get for those things. That's we kind of run into a similar situation. You know, Basecamp Classic had uh, the option to use textile code and textile formatting inside of its of its uh, uh, editor, right? And when we moved to the new Basecamp and redid everything, we completely pulled that out because you can really mess things up accidentally, not even knowing textile. And all of a sudden, you know, you you save your message and there's these weird bold and italics things going on and there's lists out of nowhere and and all sorts of things. So uh, we completely killed that off. But we were moving from like one product into a completely new product. So that kind of helped out a little bit. Um, That's pretty awesome that you still at least left those in there for the customers that were using it. Yeah. And I mean, the nice thing is that eventually there's some attrition. So... Mm-hmm. I think we've been around for about 11 years. And so, you know, if you if you kill something, you know, let's say we killed something three years ago, eventually people just stop using it. Um, and uh, and that's and then you can, you know, kind of almost completely remove it from the product. And throw so, a little party. A throw a little party. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, there's been times where we've had to, I'm trying to think of an example, but where we've radically changed something and you definitely get feedback. You know, some people don't like it. Some people like it. The only way to move forward is is you have to, you know, try things and get the feedback and then kind of incorporate that the best you can. But you're never going to make everybody happy all of the time. Yeah, and I think, you know, it usually kind of settles down after a while, the, the kind of initial... Not backlash, yeah. but like reaction. I guess Facebook probably experiences the most. They're just like, hey, we're going to completely redo this. And everyone's up in arms. And then a month later, we're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, support actually helps quite a bit with this. Because let's say that, you know, uh, I'm using your product and you remove this thing that I liked. But, you know, and so now I've got a decision to make, right? Like they removed this thing I liked. Now what am I going to do? But if I've had really great experience with that company and, you know, I, I know the support people and, uh, and I just think about switching, I'm, the first question in my head is going to be, am I going to get as good of an experience somewhere else? Because features change all the time in products, right? Mm-hmm. They're added. They're removed. You go to a different product and they've got a different set of features. But one thing that you can't easily duplicate is people. 
And people doing support, putting kind of a human face on the company, that can't be duplicated. And if I'm going to go somewhere else, you know, that's going to be something I'm thinking about is, well, what I'm not going to get to talk to Annie anymore when I, you know, I have trouble or, uh, you know, I'm not going to get this level of service that I've enjoyed here. So I think support, again, to kind of go back to that idea of support contributing to a great experience, I think it helps with all that stuff. It helps with moving products forward because to move products forward, you need to kill certain features and you need to add new ones. It's going to upset some people when you do things like that or redesigns or anything. But the one constant can be what people are taking care of me every time I need help. Which is a good kind of way we're going to shift gears a little bit. You know, your support, I don't even use industry mail out, but I've only heard good things about the support, um, which is what you want. I mean, that's what you want to hear about when, when people are talking about your company. So, oh, awesome. Yeah. Congrats. You're doing great. <laughs> so the one thing I, I noticed first off, that the first time I heard about you guys and, and went to check out the site, you know, uh, phone support was a big thing. The numbers right there on the, the top you, and then comes email or, or the support site, that kind of thing. But first and foremost, it was here's a phone number. Call us if you need us. So uh, I'm guessing that's it's pretty big for you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, phone support has been really big for us. And I remember when I came to the company five years ago, I was kind of like a typical geek, didn't want to talk on the phone. Like whenever I sent in support requests for, you know, something I needed help with, it was always by email. Mm-hmm. And I would have never thought of calling a, a number, partly because usually phone support is really terrible. Um, you know, you get an automated system. You've got to go through phone menus, which are the absolute worst. Uh, then you finally get somebody, and they, you know, they might their domain knowledge might not be that good. And so, phone support in my history had been kind of frustrating. And then we got I I started working for Industry Mailout, and um, the the founder Greg said, well. One of the things we do here, it's part of our culture, is we all answer the phone from the CEO, you know, all the way down. And uh, at first I was kind of like, that doesn't make sense, you know, why would we do that? Uh, but once I could see, you know, once I'd been there for a while and I could see it in, in action, it started to make more sense. So, you know, I think you need to do what's right for your customers And for us, most of our customers are non-technical people in big organizations, and those kinds of people are used to using the phone. So phone support makes sense for them. And and, uh, actually, maybe we can talk about this a little bit later because there's this other idea of support be support people being inside salespeople, Mm -hmm. uh, which kind of lends itself to phone support as well. But yeah, we found... For our customers, it's it's hard to do. It's not easy. I mean, it's the phone rings and you need it to answer it, and you need people there to answer it. So that part is is difficult. You know, we've got to you know trade off on lunches. When 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 are you going to go for lunch? When are you going to go? You know, we all kind of figure it out um, just to make sure that there's always someone there to answer the phone. And um, you know, some there's some people that you know might abuse it and might you know, call way too much or what have you. But to tell you the truth, actually, there, that doesn't happen very often. And um, the 
<laughs> the it, the benefits so far have seemed to kind of outweigh any any of the cons. You know, scheduling, for example, like that. Yeah, it's it's tough to schedule phone support, but it, the the benefit on the customer side, um, especially in terms of again, if we want to talk about sales and retention, sales and retention with phone support go through the roof. Like if we can get someone on the phone, we've done studies on this. Like if we can get someone on the phone before they become a customer and uh, usually we'll like even take them through a demo over the phone, the likelihood of them becoming a customer greatly increases and um, the, the uh, people that call us on the phone for support tend to stake around longer as a customer. So it also kind of feeds into that lifetime value um, calculation. You know, people that use phone support seem to stick around longer and are happier. So from the technical side of this, just so I can kind of wrap my head around it, uh, I'm a customer, I, I dial up a number and, and does it ring like multiple phones at once or is it like specific people are, are like doing rotations on the phone at that moment or how does that kind of work? Yeah. So again, so it's a small company, 11 people. Um, at different points we had We've had offices in uh, like people working remotely. Mm-hmm. So there was a fellow in Toronto, and now I'm here in uh, Vernon, but the head office is in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And so the way we've done it is we have a, a PBX system, so like a, you know a voice over IP, right? Uh, and it's basically we have a bunch of actual analog lines going in it so we we know that there's a lot of that the quality is good so voice over ip like when it's just over the internet is not great uh, in my experience anyway um so what we do is we have analog lines coming into this phone server and then it's voice over ip in our network so that's neat so we have a vpn that extends you know uh wherever our people are so you know i'm i'm a part of it here and, uh, yeah, the phone rings, and I, we've just made ring groups. So there's certain people that get kind of first ring. And then um, if basically if the phone rings X number of times, it transfers over to, uh, for example, the developers. So the developers would be kind of the last resort to mm-hmm. pick up the phone. But, you know, if, if all the other people are busy and it rings X number of times, it would go uh, to their phones. And yeah, that basically it rings anybody that, um, that's kind of active in that ring group. And if I'm in a, like a Skype call like right now, I just put do not disturb on my phone and um, it bypasses my phone, but it rings all the other phones. See, that's neat. It's one of those where kind of when, when I talk with people about phone support, everyone's kind of got their own little setup going. Mm-hmm. And the whole like it's VPN and then it hooks into the analog. That's a really great way of of getting around some of those those quality audio quality problems when it comes to to VoIP. So that's neat. Yeah, yeah, it's worked for us uh, so far. I mean, voice over IP is still a really messy technology. Like, there's all sorts of providers, and uh, we kind of rolled our own, and that's got challenges too. But in terms of like the actual system and you know the way it's set up um yeah we've really liked it and um it's you know it's enabled us to do things like 
you know, have people working remotely. So, you know, it rings in Toronto at the same time it rings in Edmonton. That that kind of uh, feature set, we couldn't actually get that from the, the phone company here. Um, so th- there's some cool things like that, that that seem to work really well. So one of the things you keep coming back to is kind of the uh, – and we're you know the phone support was a great example of it like everyone doing support and answering the phone and helping with the whole sales and marketing and that kind of thing so when it comes to your team especially since you're kind of small is is it kind of everyone's wearing these multiple hats at at once yeah i mean as we've gotten so when i joined i think i was employee number five and like i said now i think we're at 11 or 12 and so you know as we gotten a little bit bigger we're still a small team but as we've gotten a little bit better bigger we've been able to each of us have been able to specialize a little bit more but you know there's definitely the sense of like when we hire people we don't want them to be just great designers we want them to be great designers and great with people and great with customers um and able to you know for whatever reason like let's say two or three people are on vacation and you're a developer and you're on the phone, we want you to be able to talk to people and be able to show them the software and be able to even do some, you know, some inside sales, basically, um, answer their questions and, and hopefully help get them signed up. So those are the kind of people we've been looking for. Um, and, you know, definitely on the development side, they're, they're more focused on just developing, but everybody else um you know one good example would be this this one fellow we have who's really into marketing um so you know he's answering phones like just like everyone else and answering emails but in addition to that his responsibility is marketing and so he's rebuilding our marketing websites he's you know thinking about um seo he's thinking about uh, he's looking at our Google Analytics account. He's looking at our Kissmetrics account and trying to get insights. And so, uh, and he, he's empowered to do that. Um, but at the same time, we all kind of understand that there's this responsibility we have to uh, supporting the customer. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I guess it's kind of in vogue nowadays or whatever for the the entire company to be doing support or at least pitching in that kind of thing. Um, but it sounds like this is like really ingrained from your, in your culture from the start. It's not something that's just, Oh, this would be a neat idea to try out. Yeah. I mean, especially I think if you've ever been a small company and you've grown slowly, then um, like <laughs> this, in some ways this is actually some career advice like if you join a company that's a 5 to 10 people your ability to kind of step up and say I'm willing to help wherever I'm needed is uh pr- in my experience anyway is going to really help your career it's going to help how you kind of advance and uh you know uh, how you get promotions and things like that you become more valuable you become more valuable. Yeah. So I think specialists can be really valuable as well, um, especially when a company gets bigger. But in that five to 10 person stage, if you're someone that's a little bit more general and you're willing to kind of jump in wherever you're needed and learn on the job and even do the kind of those messy, undesirable things that, um, you know, other people don't want to do, that's, uh, 
again, in my experience, is going to be to your advantage when uh, your boss is looking to, you know, hire somebody, uh, promote somebody for a different role. Um, and so, yeah, I think from the beginning, it's been in our culture because we're small. And when, when there's only five of you and it's all sitting in the same room and the phone is ringing and everyone else is busy, it's kind of like, well, pick it up, you know? Yeah. Like that. Somebody's <laughs> got to answer the phone. Somebody's got to do it. And um, I think the other thing that's been really ingrained in our culture is um, so far, so at 11 or 12 people, we've wanted to hire really high quality people and pay them really well. And... In, uh, you know, in support, uh, and so even like software support, the, the wages can go anywhere from, you know, minimum wage per hour all the way up to kind of a respectable, you know, what, you know, designers and developers and salespeople are making. And we wanted to be kind of in the higher range. Uh, we wanted to be uh, pay people, a, uh, you know, a really good wage and treat them like professionals. And so, uh, yeah, they're going to answer the phone and they're going to be answering emails, but that we feel like that's such an important task that we want kind of the best people on that job. Fair enough. So uh, final question, just kind of wrap the whole show up. And, and I love this one because it, it really shows, you know, customer support at its best. So tell me about the best customer service, the best customer support that you've ever gotten where you're the customer. So you're receiving that, that customer support. Oh man, I I knew you're going to ask this question. See, everyone, and I I didn't even think about it. <laughs> everyone okay. gets this question just because the stories are are so so great. Yeah. Oh man, and I, I'm sure I'm sure I've got some. No okay, pressure. Let me, let me think. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll give a shout out to my friends at Sprintly because I think I think they've done a really good job. Um, the there's one thing I think if you're a small company and you're the founder of that company, jumping into support every once in a while really um, <laughs> makes the customer feel special and valued. And, um, you know, I was an early user of Sprintly and Joe Stump, uh, who's the founder, uh, he was at Dig before and Simple Geo. And um, he answered some my questions personally. Um, and that really made a difference to me. It just made me feel kind of valued and special and um, also made me feel like I could have kind of direct input into the product. So I think, yeah, I think those folks at Sprintly and now they, I mean, now they've, they're, uh, they've got support people and they're still doing a great job um, over there with the people they've hired. But just knowing that there's, you know, the founder jumps into support every once in a while, I think makes a big, big difference. You know, the same thing happens with us at 37 Signals. Jason will uh, do a day, uh, about a day or two a month at doing a support rotation, just answering cases. And he could be b breaking the most horrible news the customer's ever heard, but then they'll be like, oh, it's Jason Freed. So it's awesome. We love it. It's fine. Exactly. It's some exactly. kind of special connection there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, although, you know, you also build relationships with, even if you're not like a rock star founder or whatever, I think, you know, um, so I don't, do you know Jason Remus? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, Jason Remus, uh, he, 
he's doing some support at uh, Sprintly, and he answers emails, and it's like, oh, Jason, it's so good to hear from you, you know? So I think the interesting thing about support is you can make a name for yourself, and I think uh, in Jason's, Jason Remus's case, you know, he's kind of known as this really kind of kind soul uh, on the Internet, and um, just getting a response back from him kind of made me feel like, oh, wow, this is great. Like, wow, Sprintly's got you doing this. And um, that I think it doesn't, in some ways, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a kind human being and you're helping people out, people are going to take notice and, um, you know, that can go a long way. And I don't think I can add anything to that. So, Justin, it's it's been great to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, talking to us for a bit. Oh, man, Chase, this went by way too fast. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> so that means episode 21 is in the books. I guess we're officially like of drinking age now. So enjoy like a shot of whiskey or something. You can reach out to Justin on Twitter. He's at MIJustin. He's also on the web, justinjackson.ca, since he's from Canada. He gets the special little .ca. Show notes are up over at supportops.co forward slash podcast. And if you like the podcast, just rate us in iTunes if you ever open it up. You know, search for Support Ops in the top and, and just leave us a nice little rating and review there. Thanks again for listening. I'm Chase. And until we talk again, have an awesome week.